All right, monsters. Here we go. We're going to do this. Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. Hi, friends. My name is Rob C. Thompson, Doctor of Things Occult and Supreme Hierophant of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors. Right now, I'm walking out to the campground behind the college where the alchemical actors have gathered for a little winter retreat. Legend has it that when the state of Maryland was founded as a colony of religious tolerance in order to house England's many unwanted Catholics, the Eastern Shore's first settlers would come out to these woods to respond to their listeners. And so, following that hallowed tradition, we have made our way out to the Big Oak Campground and Resort to tell your stories, dear confessors. On this, our first campfire confessional, we will be featuring stories of Swedish shadows, British werewolves, gamer ghosts, sigils, and mechanical birds. Hey, you guys! Yeah! Hey, what's up? Oh, uh, we gotta do the pledge. What pledge? The pledge. You know what I'm talking about! We the members! That was, I was not, it could have been worse. So you could go, go do something useful with your time. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, com- I'll be coming around. So you kids be good. All right. All right. Let's got a, we got a nice fire going here, uh, dear confessors, that I'm going to start making my way toward. Nice roaring fire right in the center of the, uh, the campground here. Oh, oh, we've got a couple of our alchemical actors. Oh, it's our Grandmaster Olivia and our Instaquisitor Shannon. We'll just uh, sneak on up and, and try to get some of the heat of that fire basking in the, in the glow of the flame. Let's see what they're up to over here. Did you see Brianna's elbows today? Her elbows? Yeah, her elbows. They were slightly dry. And, oh. it, you know, oh. that's that's something, that's you know, not that great. Shannon also, wore... the shirt she wore oh. I, today, I think she yeah. wore last week. So oh. that's also embarrassing. Shannon, we're not we're not roasting people. We're, oh. we're roasting, uh, you know, marshmallows. And actually, oh, can you marshmallows. pass me the cheese? I, I think the it's cheese. next to the... Um... I, I only have a bag of cucumbers. <laughs> Ladies. I mean, I'll roast a cucumber. Here, throw one okay, over. Nice. Yeah. Did you? Did we not bring anything? You know, marshmallows or you know, weenies? Cucumbers, Rob. No, yeah. no weenies or anything. Weenies. We what, had but... some cheese, but did you? Right. So the uh, 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 Grandmaster Olivia. Yes. Hi. Uh, you, That's me. Your your goal for this retreat was to uh, bring to us stories of listeners' occult experiences. Yeah. How did that go? We got a bunch, man. Shannon, watch that pickle. Is that a pickle? What it's are you a, putting uh, in that Rob, fire? It's a cucumber. It's a cucumber. Uh, right. It's so, uh, it's it's all right, all right, whatever. Yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. I guess technically it kind of is a pickle, it but is, it's not but quite there the yet. Fermentation yeah. process. It's not going to fer- in the. Fer- That's so why we're roasting. Them, you're not going to. Yeah, you're not, turning not them into pickles. We're <laughs> <laughs> it's not how it works, Shannon. Well, that's what we're here to learn. Tell me a damn story. Our first Confessor Tales is actually going to come from Baltishazar. Baltishazar, named for a, a Babylonian king. Yeah, he's a big fan of ours. He yeah, we hear from Baltishazar pretty regularly. He gives us uh, uh, acronym-based information, doesn't he? Is that Baltishazar? No. Oh. Yeah, he's done I it. I think it maybe he's is. Done yeah, it. yeah you're right. right. So what story do we get from Baltishazar? I'm about to tell you. Oh, cool. When I was a small child, seven or eight, I began having a dream that would continue to visit me for a couple of years. It was terrifying. I was in an all-white room when a dark spot appeared on the floor. I touched the spot, and it began churning out insects that filled the room and reformed into a human figure that spoke to me. I took a swing at it, and it enveloped me completely inside and out. 
I never forgot that dream and thought it was just a figment of a kid's imagination. Until years later, I saw the movie Constantine. In it, there is a scene where Constantine is attacked on the street by a demon made of insects. It was identical. I'd never heard of such a thing until I saw that. I thought it was just an imaginary being, not something other people had seen as well. And so began my foray into the occult with a messed up dream and a movie. I had no idea what the creature in my dream was. I had no frame of reference for my young mind to develop an entity like that, even in my imagination. I doubt I had any precognition on the matter. I've done some digging since then. There are quite a few references throughout lore to it, Hindu being one of them. Lord of the Flies comes immediately to mind. It's one of the titles of Beelzebub as well as the appropriate name for a novel. Yeah, that's uh, that's really something. The insect demon uh, actually comes up in our Kali episode. I was about to say, you want to plug yeah, that episode yeah. real fast? Yeah, we've got the the Durga that she uh, the the mother goddess attacks it bees will right? attack. Yeah, a demon made of bees. Yeah, that's pretty cool. An all bee demon. It's so. Kind of like Candyman esque too. Yeah, yeah. very cross cultural <laughs> Candyman to Kali. That's what everybody. <laughs> Oh, thank you for sending in that story, Belteshazzar. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay, well, so uh, uh, that's got me yeah. ready for, for something else. What, what else you got for us? So, a little bit on the shorter side. Boy, this fire is warm, but it smells of cucumber. Hey, uh, you don't have to eat any cucumbers if you don't want to. It's kind of like uh, being in a bath and body works. So, our next story comes from May Sailor? May Sailor? M-A-I-S-Y-L-O-R. Maisie Lore. Yep. Um, who <laughs> Let actually, us know which one of us pronounced that correctly. Yeah, it's not me. <laughs> um, who actually also sent us some pictures to go with the story. And oh, I cool. actually would really like to post them in the following week or are we, so. Are we allowed? Would be cool. Maisie Lore said it was cool? Okay, yeah. Yeah. So check that out maybe on the Instas, uh, old Instaquisitor. Yep. Ooh. All right. Sorry if this is late, but here's my occult confession in response to the call-out last week. Very polite way to begin. It really was. On my 21st birthday, the 21st of August, I visited Glastonbury, UK. If its reputation hasn't spread across the US and Canada, it's a town with rich mystic history, many occult shops, and people from all paths of life. Yeah, Dion Fortune was actually associated with Glastonbury. Oh, really? Yep. Well, all of these kind of people practice and collaborate there. During this birthday visit, I went to a secondhand shop and instantly found an antique book with an inscription detailing it having been given as a 21st birthday gift to a young woman on the 21st of August, 1874. Whoa. At this point, it takes a lot to shock me. I've had a fair few weird things happen to me since I started practicing magic, but that is for sure the weirdest. I thought this story was kind of crazy. Yeah, that is. That's What are the odds? Yeah, and so she actually sent us some pictures. So those are the pictures I was talking about that hopefully... Of, of the artifact. Yeah, I'm going to ask and see if we can That's post really for you guys because it's really cool. 21. Mm-hmm. Ones, twos, and threes, right? Those are very mystical numbers. Also, sevens, First. eights, nines, and twelves. So all the numbers? Thirteens. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, a lot. Of- Today is Friday the 13th. Happy Friday the 13th! Anyway, are we supposed to do something other than this? to celebrate um, aren't we celebrating acknowledge it and that's it i celebrated by my kid waking me up at 5 a.m which was uh, one hour earlier in the a.m than she should have that's done probably because she didn't eat dinner last night oh yeah someone was babysitting hmm. <laughs> it, 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 it was olivia uh <laughs> Not a priority. Uh, all right, uh, cool. Uh, so, 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 what else? You, what else you got to tell us? What, what else is going on? Uh, you got, got more stories? So- uh, what was that? I don't. That was. I'm very. Uh, is Shannon, that- Shannon, grab the cucumbers. What you guys? Easy, you guys. Easy. Grab them. You stay. You stay right here. I will go check this out. Okay. Well, it's we'll- just Lucy and Aubrey. And is that? Are those socks over there? Is that? Is that their pants? What it, oh, oh! Those are definitely Lucy's pants. What are Lucy's pants doing uh, over here? I was wearing those yesterday. Oh, I, I, I gotta know. go check this out. All right, you guys okay. stay here. I don't want you to get hurt or anything. We'll, okay. we'll, I'll come back to you and we'll, we'll catch up with the rest of these stories. All we, right. We've I, got the cucumbers. I gotta go see. Uh, where did? Where did? Which way? Uh, the pants look like they went in over the uh, moon circle. Is that right? Oh yeah, right, right yeah. over the fence into uh, the, moon the, uh, the the okay. resorts uh, moon circle. Yeah. As all, all campgrounds and resorts have moon circles, in oh, my 100%. experience. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I'll be right back. I'll, I'll just go see what. What's going on over there? All right, bye.
I got you. Alright, so we're going to uh, start to work our way away from the campfire, uh, my confessor audience. We're going to work our way uh, through, we're, we're going now through the campground, and, and follow follow my voice here. Uh, we're, we're going back to, we're sort of clearing here, uh, it's called the Moon Circle here at the campground, uh, where there are two uh, pasty white shapes moving in the moonlight. It's it's almost, uh, you can't look directly at them, it's almost blinding in that Friday the 13th moon. Uh, oh, it's oh, it's Aubrey and Lucy. Ladies, ladies. It's it's December. It okay. is uh, mighty brisk out here, and uh, you two are butt ass naked. Why are you looking at us? We're, pre- we're preparing I, to shift. You Rob. were howling. I I would you you've made quite a scene. The whole the whole all the alchemical actors uh, want to know what's going on over here. Uh, Shannon uh, dropped all her cucumbers in the fire. We're just getting ready for the change, Rob. We're turning into werewolves. Uh, what, what's wrong with your voices? What do you mean? You. You're, you're talking. Uh, is, is something wrong with my not, voice, Aubrey? Do you hear something? You no, sound you don't, beautiful. You me. sound beautiful. You, okay, you know, this and is I think not we're beautiful together. You generally in, in, our, in our nudity. Yes. You yes, don't yes. usually sound this way. Why? Do you, why do you sound like the cast of the Jersey Shore? It's part of the territory. What? I guess. What ter? What territory? Northern Jersey? No, Rob. Mystical werewolf transformations. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to know about this stuff. Wait, wait. So you're you are turning into werewolves? Yeah. W- with with New York accents. I guess that's well, how obviously. it is. Well, how's that working out? Well, um, you know, I don't see any fur. No, so I I was going to mention that. That's disappointing yeah, for it'd me. Probably be easier to look at you both, but with the moonlight and the reflection. Well, you know what? Very white ladies. Well, I ha- I'm sorry I didn't get a spray tan. I'm All right, sorry. let me see if I can... Well, it's unlike you. I mean, but I guess with the accent, I'm just... I'm thrown while you don't have a spray tan. Uh, but let me see. I understand you just... You developed the accent in the last few minutes, so that is... Let me... I've actually got uh, here uh, a story that might help you. Speaking of werewolves with an accent, Darren O'Conbuy Ward, our listener uh, from Lincolnshire, England, sent us uh, a story of a Lincolnshire werewolf. Now, I, I thought that I might bring that uh, over as an uh, offering of peace here, Lucy, to acknowledge your supernatural right and maybe get you guys in the mood so you can get some fur on here so you don't freeze your butts off. Why, thank you. All right. I, uh, Darren tells us now, this is in his own words, he says, I spent too long searching for source material of all the werewolf myths and tales I've heard growing up. A big fan of, uh, of wolf lore, Darren. Uh, he grew up in the Berkshire forests, also Windsor Great Park, before those areas became overly populated. Then he moved to the farming county of Lincolnshire, and the house that he moved into still had gas lamps in every room. Far more rustic settings. You getting the feel for this? I do love rusticness. Sounds so nice. Yeah. (laughs) Dialect just lingers, doesn't it? Uh, This was the late 1970s and the early 1980s, Darren says. At one point, the town in which he completed his childhood was a stronghold of the Knights Templar and also the Grand Prior of the Templars, England. Uh, Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. All right. So that's doing it for you. Living in the Temple Brewer, uh, the Bishop of Lincoln actually had a castle in the town, which is no longer standing, and entertained on a regular basis individuals, including King John, Henry VIII, and the Templar's Grand Prior uh, oh, before they arrested him. My cousin him once met him. Beyonce. No, is it? No, the Beyonce was not. Before the. Uh, before the. Tem- before they arrested him and took him to Lincoln and then down to the Tower of London for the rest of his life. Okay. Uh, Darren, are those press-on nails, Lucy? What are you doing there? No. No, I think it's working. They're growing. They're claws now. Would you look at that? Look at that. Look at yours. Oh, Oh, wow. Uh, Darren shared a particularly spooky story with us. Uh, I'm going to keep it going. Of a werewolf in Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire was... uh, Are you sure you didn't just do that while I wasn't wasn't paying attention? I was busy with the story. You'd... No, no, yours is all You're really helping. All right, Darren shared a particularly spooky story with us of a werewolf in Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire was a very Viking uh, and Germanic area. 
and it's got some of the most dragon lore in all of England. It was also the major center of black dog lore, which according to Darren is the equivalent of werewolf lore in England, where the wolves were driven off by farmers many centuries ago. Oh. Yeah, black dog black lore. Oh, dog Aubrey's, lore. Aubrey's into that. All right. <laughs> That's... <laughs> It's bringing out her inner black dog. The year was 19... Okay, so we're going to get to the story here. Okay. You ready? Okay. okay. This has been a lot of build All up. Right. All right. <laughs> the, year, the year was 1926. In Langrick Fen near Dogdyke in Lincolnshire, Christopher Marlowe, a collector of folklore, not the Dr. Faustus playwright, who was also named Christopher Marlowe, but was a completely different guy. This Christopher Marlowe recorded the strange story of an excavation of a werewolf. The story starts with a man who never gets a name digging in the peat outside of his cottage. You guys ever heard of Ooh. peat? Do you know what peat is? No. no, no. Um, well, I've got an uncle named Beat. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, him. Yeah, he's a good guy. Still with the accents. Uh, yes, uh, no, this is, uh, peat is, uh, you can dig it up. Uh, you would excavate peat. It's like in the ground to like, heat your home. Uh, you stick it in your stove. You can cook your, your uh, bait. What do you werewolves eat? Anything raw? Yeah, I, I like rabbit. Diet. Yeah, I prefer a raccoon, I Like think. sprouts, uh-huh. though, and stuff, too? Do you, do you eat sprouts and... No, that kind of thing, radishes. Sometimes no. by accident. No, when <laughs> when it, well, you, you know when you're digging through the peat, sometimes you get a radish. <laughs> okay, so you've been in some peat before. You you know what this is like. I'm learning. Okay, uh, back to the peat. Uh, not peat, but the peat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uncle couldn't do. Like, no, he wasn't Ow. there. Uh, so our, our our man, our nameless man, digging in the peat, uh, wouldn't have been expecting his spade. spade to strike the bones of a creature with the body of a human and the head of a canine as he was digging through the peat. The man wondered if this might be some sort of invented creature like the kind displayed at fairs, and he brought it into his cottage to further investigate his discovery. His autopsy yielded no further clues about the monster, and so our man decided to turn in for the night. In the still of the darkness... He was roused from his slumber by a strange noise <gasps> tapping at his window. Oh, what could it be? Oh, you, you, you know, at the back of the cottage, there was a distinct rat-tat, rat-tat, sounding at his window like a rock or perhaps a nail was tapping on the glass. How exciting. Oh goodness. Peering into the dim night, the man's blood froze as he saw peering back at him through the pane, a creature identical to the one whose skeleton he had pulled from the peat earlier that day, with the head of a wolf and the body of a human being. The creature pounded on the glass, and the man managed to unfreeze himself and flee into the kitchen. The glass shattered behind him as he locked the kitchen door and began moving his table and chairs to barricade himself in. The man waited for the night. Never a good idea. No, don't do that. The man waited for the night, listening to the creature raging and rustling in his cottage. Raging. Raging. Except, mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are looking a little furrier. A oh, little... yeah. Yeah. Maybe you were already like that, though. The next morning, he the next morning, he found the table overturned and the skeleton on the floor. Taking them up, he brought them back to the bog, where he reburied them in the exact site where he'd found them. So he put them back to bed. Yeah, sure. Yeah, under the peat. Under peat, he put the yeah peat the werewolf under the peat. So uh, was your uncle? Might have been. He's doing good. (laughs) When the wolves uh, became less in number as they were killed to protect farms, the myths grew to replace them. Tales of mysterious black dogs or demon hounds described as standing or running on all fours and humans behaving like dogs. uh, Sort of like you two. Oh! Yeah, Mm. a little bit. Uh, Maybe without the accents, though. uh, (coughs) Spread like wildfire throughout the county. So, uh, thanks, Darren, for sending that story in. And oh, oh, there they go. Oh, late girl, you. It's so cold. I'm worried about them. Boy, those those butts are as bare as when I walked up here. Okay. And the accents don't. Let's get the rabbit. All right. Well, that's it for them. Uh, I think I'll make my way back to the to the campfire. Then see uh, Olivia. I think had a few more more stories for me over there. But, Rob, oh, she's Rob. 
Yeah, Rob, what, Rob, what, um, what happened to uh, Shannon? So Shannon's gone. Yeah, um, I, she, I see that. She, this bear came and took all of our cucumbers, and Shannon heroically, very heroically, ran after the bear into the forest yeah, to get I, the cucumbers, and I, I just don't know what to do. I should have ran after her. I did her. see someone running after Brandon. Um, I guess yeah, I should Wait, have figured that that was, that was the Shannon. The bear yeah, is that named was, Brandon? Yeah, it's just Brandon. Oh, Right, so uh, well, if could bring our cucumbers back. But back to great. the to the stories. Uh, oh, right, we've got all right. that cheese though. So, well, what's really, cheese guys... without cucumbers when you're roasting cucumbers, this Rob? This is the strangest God. packing Jeez. you guys did for this this evening. All right. Would you like another story, Rob? This is the last time I put you on the catering committee. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Hmm. Well, this one comes from Leanne Hensley Merritt. Thank you, Leanne. Hello, Leanne. Yeah, we, we've got a few messages from Leanne, as I recall. Very, very uh, yeah. complimentary listener. Based up, off Leanne? of this uh, story, I think we could probably hang out. So. Oh, all right. Leanne, hit me up. In response to your Twitter request for confessors to share their spooky experiences, I have a mildly spooky one. I'm a skeptic, down to my bones, I must confess. Oh, that's always the beginning of a good one. Oh, always my favorite. However, not to go all Fox Mulder on you, but I want to believe. Oh, it's getting better. So I made a sigil that corresponds to the demon Amon, made him an offering in the form of a charcuterie platter. A charcuterie. I can't pronounce words. It's a charcuterie platter. It's a cheese platter. With pickles. Hey, I don't know how this works, or if demons get peckish in the course of their evenings. And I did a ritual to summon Amon. My door was closed. The lights were out. Amon? And I had came- uh, Amon. Is it Eamon? Wait, really? I think it's Eamon. Are you sure? The demon Amon? Mm, I think you could go either way. Then why does it look like... It literally spells it out like Almon. No one's gonna... I won't correct you. We'll just go back. What did you say it was? Eamon? No, no, it's good. Go back to uh, charcuterie. Okay. I'll say charcuterie and you just keep going. Charcuterie. Hey... I don't know how this works, or if demons get peckish in the course of their evenings. And did a ritual to summon a mom. What did what'd you say it was? Amen. Amen. You can okay. say a mom. My door was closed, the lights were out, and I had candles lit to see what was going on. As I chanted, the wind really started picking up. Excited, I chanted a little louder and with more gusto. Yeah. The wind grew more and more intense, and then I heard a loud bang behind me as if someone kicking the door in. It was a nice sound effect you made there. Thank you. It swung open. I got up, poked my head out into the hall, and quietly called Eamon? Eamon. Nothing was there. (gasps) I closed the door and sat back down chanting some more. The trees outside which were blowing around the fierce wind really looked like they were forming a big demon-y face. She's some kind of skeptic. It was pretty cool. Um, but I'm pretty sure I didn't summon anyone. Maybe he didn't like the cheese selection, is vegan, or lactose intolerant. Well, that's entirely possible. Did you think about that before you created your cheese selection for this evening? No, we just brought cheddar. Mm. Just cheddar. Just the cheddar. Cheddar. Cheddar? The cheddar? Bring me the cheddar? Oh, my ass! Brooke, your ass! My Rob, ass. Rob, I think something's wrong with Brooke's ass. What gave you that impression? All right, I gotta, I gotta get it. Where are they at? They're over in the, uh, they're in the, tr- the treehouse, right? Up in yeah, the, that's, over I by think the that's playground. Where it looks like all the way up uh, in the yeah, treehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate climbing up in there, especially. Can you imagine the three of them crammed up in that tree? Oh, for the love of it! All right, I'm coming. Ask. I'm coming, right. children. Sorry, Olivia, I'll be back. You have more. You, we have more stories, or? Yeah, but we don't have any cucumbers. <sighs> all right, all right, I'll be back. We'll, we'll, we'll make it work. It's fine. Uh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, listeners, I, I've I've made a quick trip now uh, from the from the campfire. Uh, just uh, just right behind the campfire, we've got the the playground laid out, and uh, atop the playground, uh, there's a tree in which is situated a treehouse, which is uh, generally uh, I just assume this. Now it's December. There aren't aren't any other people out here at the uh, the Big Oak campground and resort except except for us crazy alchemical actors but i assume that this treehouse is generally for uh, people under the age of 12 uh, but this evening uh, we have uh, three grown grown ass human beings uh, have managed to work their way up into it uh, apparently not very elegantly from the sounds of brooks ass uh, so uh here we're just going to work my way up the ladder here uh, oh, i don't i can't even find where is the i'll just climb the trunk 
All right, all right, guy. Can you? Can someone help me up here? Oh, for the love of me, get splinters! Did, did somebody get some ice for Brooke's ass? I don't. Oh, yeah, I just came up. It, you should have told me before hey, I climbed hey guys, all the way up here, guys. I think Rob's trying to get up here. Oh, oh. oh. thank you, Rob, thank on. you, Dan. Oh. Just take my arms there and right, haul sure. me. Oh. I, got, I got you. There we go. All right, okay. Heavier than I remember. Not elegant. Okay, so fine. So long as I'm here. Yeah, your assignment uh, for the day. You know, we just heard a story about a sigil, uh, and it just so happens uh, that our friend Emily, the editor, sent us a, a book, "The Sacred Alignments in Sigils: Angelic Magic, Renaissance Thought, and Modern Methods of." Sigilization. Uh, this is by Robert Podgursky. Uh, and, and now I had passed this book on to you, Dan, uh, and Bray and Brooke, and uh, your assignment was to come back with a review. So uh, h- how did this go? Uh, I poured over it. There are many highlighted portions of this book, and I am deeply honored to have received this from one of our listeners. It is a really great read, and here are some thoughts on it. Okay. So. The book is essentially a guide and analysis of a unique sigil developed by the author and practitioner Robert Podgursky. This sigil, which he dubs the grid sigil, is intended to focus and enhance internal workings of the self, but also non-internal applications such as dowsing, which is divination via the underground, and practical elemental magics and connections. So you, you draw this sigil and you can find water? Only if it's underground, Rob. So I can't find water that I can see with my eyes? Not at all. Go on. There's a reason that dowsing is most popular with elderly farmers. Anyway, Podgursky describes this grid sigil as such. Ultimately, the use of the sigil is aimed at affording a higher sense of the interaction between the weave of celestial and terrestrial energies as they exist, and the aspirant's place between this great tapestry. The amount of love and detail he puts into this book cannot be stressed enough. He truly displays a passion and admiration for past and present magical endeavors. He speaks often poetically and philosophically, showing a deep understanding of sigilization. I encourage any of our readers and listeners to pick up this book, because it is an absolute love letter to the art and passion that goes into sigilization. I mean, I brought a few of my own sigils that I thought would be fun to play with during camping but oh, oh really yeah like are there any marshmallow sigils is that like no a, oh no. Really? are there any that would help us find water that we can see with our eyes um no because that's no. the one thing this sigil doesn't do mine so. mine do things that that sigil doesn't do oh go go on okay so the first we've got battling sigils this is like you know banjos but but more metal yeah so, so the first one that I have, um, the English name for it is called necropants. Necropants. Yes. So like dead pants. Yes. So what one That's does... That's what you don't want to get, Dan. You don't want to get the dead pants. Oh, no. You want these dead pants because... Oh, I, I have a pair but, of corduroys. Are they like the same thing? <laughs> they're pretty dead from what I hear. Yeah. They're actually coming back in style though. Oh, really? What is Dude, wrong with you sweet. guys? no longer dead, huh? All right, go ahead, Bree. Tell us about the so, necro pants. So, necro pants, you pretty much get the skin of a corpse and make them into pants, and you can get endless <laughs> supply of money. I, I think corduroys are made the same way, honestly. Know your worth but, on the black market. What, what can I? What kind of Bitcoin can I get from this? Um, I'm sorry to tell you that you cannot get Bitcoin. It is just actual coin. <laughs> If it's not digital, it's kind of lame, honestly. I mean, if you get the These finger bits, it is kind of digital. These dead pants really need to get with, the, get with the present, get with the times. Well, I've got two other sigils. All right, go on. Okay, so one of them is called the Seven Thorn, which is also known as the Sleep Thorn. And uh, it can be used to put somebody into an eternal coma. I have got a list. How, okay, so what, what, what's going on, though, in your day when you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, I hate this guy, uh, but I don't want to kill him. I just want him to be in an eternal coma. That's literally exactly what Loki does in the lore where this is brought up. 
he puts one of the gods, Balder, which he picks on all the time, into an eternal sleep, and all of the gods have to try to wake him up, and it is the most hilarious story. Yeah, but that's like Bond villain stuff. Like, you could just shoot a guy in the head, but no, you're going to put him into an eternal coma so that, like, you know, Prince Charming comes by and makes out with him and it all works out okay. No, it's because it's funny, because Loki gets to watch all of the gods struggle. Third sigil, please. Yes, so this one does not have an English name, and I am not going to try to pronounce the actual name of it. We'll call it Necro Underpants. I mean, I guess it works. <laughs> so. <laughs> we'll cut out Look. all the parts where we enjoy our own. Look, all I'm saying is I'm not putting dead skin anywhere near my genitalia. You don't have to for this one. I feel like historically that's uh, yeah, a good choice. Hmm. Well, this one, you don't have to put dead skin on your genitals. Um, <laughs> the other two you do. No, just the one. Seventh thorn, you just have to make this really complicated poisonous thorn and shoot somebody with it. Go on. Yes, okay. So the third one is a way to summon a evil spirit. Now, this is supposed to only be used in the most dire of times, but I figure tonight we might get into that, considering I could hear howling earlier, so. No, it's just a couple of naked chicks running through the forest with New York accents. As I said, the most dire of times. (laughs) (laughs) One of them is kind of hairy. Do I have to repeat myself again? (laughs) Okay, so... Uh, any other details you can give us about this uh, summoning sigil? It's a pretty rough ritual. Um, you know how I love human sacrifice? We do, yeah. This does not involve human sacrifice, but it's pretty bloody. What are we sacrificing? Usually it's some sort of livestock or cattle. Well, luckily, uh, Brooke uh, brought a sheep with her tonight, which is kind of strange, to be honest, Brooke. Oh, I know. I told her to bring it. Oh, well, where do you keep your sheep? Is that Did you go out and get that today? Um, that's actually my pet sheep. It lives in the house with me. Uh, so I did was you know? not under the impression uh, right, that we yeah, were Bree's sacrificing gonna kill it. That I'm sorry to break it to you, Brooke, but uh, you might gonna, need to say bye to that sheep. And she's going to make love. you wear it as underwear or something. So is, you can see just, water. Doesn't Hanes already do that? Isn't there cotton yeah. underwear? Yeah, well, yeah, but that's wool. That would be wool. Wool underwear. Uh, uh, I don't use them. I feel like no, that's I would not like... recommend that you put wool oh. anywhere near there. It's that would very be, uh... itchy wool. Well, right. Given the choice between dead skin and wool, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with wool. As long Especially as we don't if kill it lets you. Well, right, yeah, you got to keep that sheep alive. I but, mean... but what if it was kill your sheep or sea water? Sea water? Good, good choice. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, I really appreciate the, your, your good work here on the, uh, the sigil book. Anything you want to add? Um, I greatly appreciate, and the rest of the alchemical actors greatly appreciate, any books that any listener would like to send in. We love looking at them. We love hearing from you guys, and we recommend that you keep on sending them. Peace and love, baby. All right, I'm going to work my way out of the treehouse there. I'm going to echo Dan's sentiment as I... Can you guys help me down here? Uh, yeah. As I... As I uh, oh, yep. oh, There's not really a... Can you get some ice on my ass? Watch that yeah. twig. Yes, I'll be back. I'll be okay, back. Okay, cool. Uh, so I uh, echo Dan's sentiment there. We would love to continue the book review uh, as part of our uh, confessional episodes, which we will be doing uh, hopefully every season. We'll see how you guys feel about this one. What with the uh, you know New York werewolves and the cucumbers and all that. Uh, anyhow... Let's see if we can make our way back to the to the old fire there. I see uh, Olivia's tossing another log on there, or uh, that, that could be a cheese log actually. I I don't I can't make heads or tails of what these people think camping is. All right, working our way back to the old campfire here. Olivia's got us all queued up uh, for for yet another tale uh, from our confessors. Olivia. So this one is from. Maleficium. Ah, Maleficium. Uh, so, so this, uh, this, as I recall, Maleficium hails from Sweden. I did this interview yeah. myself, uh, Maleficium. Mm-hmm. A small town in Sweden. Small town. That was the uh, best kind of town in Sweden, in my opinion. Yes. Well, all our love to our Swedish listeners. Yeah. Well, I am used to the paranormal, so it's pretty normal for me now. But in the beginning, it was terrifying because I didn't understand what was happening. As a kid, I had a lot of deja vu experiences. I still have them today, but I'm used to it now. When I was a teenager, I started to be interested in the occult, but it took a couple years until I started to practice witchcraft. Since my early 20s and still today, I'm a practicing Wiccan, currently in the outer quarter of a coven. 
Most of my friends are Wiccans or other types of occultists. My partner is agnostic, though, which is interesting. Is that you or Maleficium saying that? No, that's just me. (laughs) Little commentary. Interesting. I have had mostly positive encounters with spirits, but I do remember one time that scared the shit out of me. Just tell me if you want to hear more about that situation. Oh, I do. We do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but we don't get to now, do we? Because, yeah, Maleficium's got to listen to this and then come back and tell us later. Hmm. Yeah. A couple of years ago, my friend asked me to help her clean her mother's apartment. She was moving to hospice due to cancer. I have never been in that apartment before, but of course I wanted to help my friend. As soon as we walked up to the front door, I got the, you are not welcome here feeling. I tried to brush that feeling off of me, so I didn't say anything to my friend. We started to clean and pick up old trash to throw away stuff, but I still felt very awkward as much as I tried to ignore it. Eventually, we were done cleaning for the day and made some food and took it into the living room. Literally out of nowhere, we heard that both the coffee maker and the microwave started to sound from the kitchen, even though we didn't use them at all before. My friend and I both jumped from the couch when we heard the ding from the microwave. I still didn't tell my friend about how I felt. A while later, it was pretty late, so we decided to sleep in the living room. She slept on a mattress, and I got to sleep on the couch. She was already snoring, like, maybe five minutes after we turned off the lights. I, on the other hand, was literally shaking of fear, and I didn't know why. The couch faced the hallway, so I could see the rest of the apartment from my view. That's when I saw it. A dark figure, staring at me from the corner of the room. I have never felt afraid or such bad energy from one place. I couldn't sleep, couldn't close my eyes shut because I couldn't stop staring back at the dark figure. I really thought that something was going to happen. After a couple of hours, I managed to fall asleep. The morning after, I woke up soaked in my own sweat. My friend was already awake and immediately asked me, who the hell were you talking to all night? I finally told her about everything, my first feeling of fear and the dark figure. Her response surprised me. Oh yeah, I didn't want to tell you about this, but this apartment is haunted. My boyfriend didn't want to come here because he's afraid. You always tell your friends when your apartment is haunted. She told me that even the neighbors have, at some point, seen an unknown person standing in the windows. And she was afraid that I wouldn't help her if she had told me this before. Yes, precognition. Like if I went to a place that I've never been before, I know what's going to happen the following minutes because I've seen it before at some point. This still happens today, but I feel more okay with it. Wow. That was a pretty good one. That was deep. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Maleficium. My Mm -hmm. goodness. All the way from Sweden. That's a nice ghost story for the holidays, isn't it? Aw, what a nice holiday ghost story. Love a good holiday ghost story. Mm. It's it's uh, it's James, also Savannah, and also John. They've all sent me the exact same text message. Help. All caps with an emoji that I can't make sense of. It looks sort of like a pepper on fire. Uh, I'm going to call it a tamale. Uh, all right. Uh, I, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Okay, so uh, we're working our way away from the uh, campfire here. Uh, we're going to head toward the bathhouse. Uh, that's right, the bathhouse, the latrines, uh, where where John Cook and uh, James Caplangis and Savannah Verrett have gathered. Uh, they they are, are, are camping gamers. Uh, in other words, they just wanted to play video games all night. And that is the only place at the Big Oak Campground and Resort where you can access any kind of electricity. Right over here at the uh, at the bathrooms there. Oh, oh, here comes. Here comes Shannon and Brandon. Uh, oh, off they go. All right. Uh, so, uh, friends, uh, what, what is this? What, what is this text message you, you have all urgently sent to me with the uh, flaming flaming pepper here we need help I, I see that you need help what is this flaming pepper that you've put on here who put the flaming pepper that wasn't me i didn't do that either john, john why did you put this flaming pepper on my phone it reminded me of you rub oh, oh okay. that's because that it ah oh, because you think i'm hot yeah yeah rate oh, my professor like, yeah oh you're rating me that's very sweet we john. thought it made you come faster i don't Come more quickly, rather. <laughs> you, oh, you, you freaking guys. Okay, okay. So, um, we need help. We need help because there is no Wi-Fi. Or, or like, do you know where we could get Wi-Fi? Yeah, the password is 
Big Oak Campground and Resort. Can you spell that out for us, please? That's a bit... Our listeners do not need to be subjected to this, John. Just figure it out. All right. Your your task this evening, uh, brought to us by Gary Wee, uh, was to investigate ghosts in games. Now, Gary had uh, indicated, sent us a message talking a bit about ghosts in in the Zelda games, uh, and and I asked uh, that you three come back to us with stories of ghosts in some of uh, the, the 1980s earliest iterations of video games uh so what 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 did we got what did we come up with here oh we got pac-man oh pac-man uh or puckman i believe as pac-man was originally called oh yeah, yeah, yeah. because but, but they, they uh they couldn't use puckman you know why um i'm gonna guess because if you switch out the first letter it <laughs> yeah they were worried about people defacing the machines okay uh so uh go, go ahead john what, what, what have you learned about the uh, pinky blinky and uh you know mo or whatever that that was horribly wrong, Rob. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> my mistake. <laughs> so there are a bunch of different ghosts in the Pac-Man universe. Oh, the Pac-Man universe. Yes, uh, it's going to get way nerdy today, isn't it? Just you wait. Oy. The four ghosts that most people are familiar with are the ones from the original English Pac-Man game: Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde. Well, I, I don't feel like I was that far off. You missed one, and there was no Mo in that, Rob. <laughs> Just stay in your lane. Um. Their personalities were described in the Japanese version as, respectively, chaser, ambusher, fickle, and feigned ignorance. Wait, wait, so Clyde was feigned ignorance. That's right. Okay. These ghosts were actually referred to as monsters in the original Puckman version, so the uh, big arcade cabinets. But uh, it was changed later for unknown reasons. Unknown reasons. Yeah, I couldn't find a reason why they changed it from monsters to uh, ghosts, but it seemed like the translation in Japanese for the Pac-Man ghost actually translated to monsters. Oh. So I guess when it came over to America or English-speaking countries, it changed it to ghosts. So in Japan, uh, monsters look like things with uh, sheets over their heads and little eyes? I I guess so, apparently. Who knew? Uh, So the amount of known ghosts in the expanded universe uh, came with the introduction of the Pac-Man EU with the release of the Pac-Man cartoon in 1982. Uh, it was a good year. It was. 1982. Now, the show only lasted uh, until 1983, but we met Sue, the first female ghost, and Dinky, their three-year-old cousin. Three years old. Was that a, was a s- smaller He was ghost? small and bratty. Yeah. Dinky. Yeah, well, Dinky. Uh, so there were several more ghosts introduced in the other sequels to the game, and there was another cartoon, actually more recent, from 2013 to 2015, which introduced us to Pac-Man's biggest nemesis, Lord Betrayus, and his sidekicks, Butler, and his twin brother, Dr. Buttocks. Why did you pronounce butt that way? Canonically, his name is B-U-T-T hyphen L-E-R. <laughs> ah, Butler. Yes. Go on. That's it. <laughs> That's it, Rob. Oh, I- <laughs> so you ended on a high note there. But you just blew right by Dr. Buttocks. Yeah, is that a is there a pun there? Is that well? I mean, his brother is Doctor, or not Doctor. His brother is Butler. So they have different professions, but I think the joke is that they're both they're butt. Both, both butts. But both butts. They they're, are they're butts. butt brothers. Do they look <laughs> anything like a butt? Well, there's so Pac-Man is just a mouth, and there are these guys. Yeah, are they just butts? Because I, I guess that would be the opposite of a of a mouth. Mind blown, perhaps. Savannah, <laughs> you better get in here before this goes uh, any further. Okay, so I'm actually going to be talking about the uh, Super Mario Bros. series. Yeah, yeah, we got um, a very famous ghost on there. Yeah? <laughs> ghosts are featured... Uh, are you talking... Which specific ghost Well, I mean, if about? we're talking about, you know, your early Mario 3, is there is but oh, one ghost. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, there's a lot of them, but, like, yeah. there's an enemy type. Oh, okay. Oh, it's a t- So I thought you were talking, like, I was like, did I miss something? Okay. Oh, you on. freaking nerds. <laughs> okay, ghosts are featured in almost every Mario game, but they aren't called ghosts. They're called boos, named after the sound that you might make after they spooked you. Oh, but isn't that the sound the ghost makes as they spook you? No, when I get afraid, I say, boo! <laughs> I'm easily startled. So I actually do hear you do that all the time, but I think you're scaring me, and then I go, boo. And then that scares me. And, and it I just go. goes on and on. Yeah. 
ring. Okay, but they first made their appearance in 1988's Super Mario Bros. 3. And at first, they weren't just called Boo, they were called Boo Diddleys. And a fun fact, that's a name in reference of the American blues singer Bo Diddley. Yeah, how about that? The Japanese just love Bo Diddley. Yeah. <laughs> and they, all they did is add literally one letter to the name, and it made a whole new enemy type. Yeah. Now, I'm sure most people have played uh, Mario and have encountered the ghost levels, but for people who haven't, the way that the ghosts work is that they will continuously chase Mario, but if Mario is looking at them, they will freeze. So as you go through the levels, you, Mario has to dodge and keep looking left and right to make sure that the ghosts don't get anywhere near him, because if they touch him, he dies. Yeah, my wife's kind of like that, actually. Ooh. <laughs> that was a little bit like the Weeping Angels from um, that show with the British people. Doctor Who? Yes. Yeah, except they're cute Boy, we and are not deep scary. in the nerd today. Okay. Um. <laughs> what you get from coming to the bathroom, Rob? Oh, you bathroom nerds. I think it's all the fumes from the uh, urinal cakes are getting to you guys. Yeah, it definitely smells haunted in here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Savannah. Okay, so... So the Boos remained kind of like side villains, not really main characters in any Mario game at all, until Luigi's Mansion came out on the GameCube in 2001. They became the primary villains in that game. So the story is that Mario became trapped in a portrait by King Boo in this haunted house, and Luigi has to face his fear of ghosts to, in order to save his brother. Remember when we spent a weekend like that, when Olivia got herself trapped in that portrait? Yeah, just like that Edgar Allan Poe story that we cut out of our She play. just stuck her head through it, though, and we just couldn't pry it off. Yeah, that was a sad day. <laughs> I, I don't like to think about that day. We got out the scissors and everything. It took forever. And the last thing that I want to talk about is that boos make appearances in the uh, Mario Party games as well. You can always uh, play as King Boo or maybe just like a member of his Boo clan. <laughs> and then also uh, Mario Kart as well. So, yeah. That's true. I have I have Mario'd me some cart. Yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't even need don't. to be high on urinal cakes like you guys. <laughs> yes, Rob? Uh, uh, come on over, James. Uh, you, you were tasked uh, with the uh, sort of the opening question that we started this all with, ghosts of the Zelda games uh, and, and how ghosts function. This came back to our question about the Poe spirit and what it was named for. Uh, but before you start there, James, is that a, is that a pigeon? Uh, this right here? Yeah, what, what, is that, what is that in the cage there? This is uh, it's, it's a bird. Right. Uh, who's Savannah? Did you bring that bird here? I caught it. You caught. It you, was trying to spy on us. What are you doing with that bird? We keep it in the cage so we can monitor it. She keeps it in the cage so she can monitor they it. All right. Me. All right. All right. All right. Come on, James. Let's hear about the the ghosts in Zelda. Yeah, the ghosts in Zelda. So, uh, starting with the very first installation of the series, The Legend of Zelda. Back in 1986, we're going back even further than the Mario franchise with their first ghost. Is that true? It is true. Yeah. yeah. Ghosts were not in the first two Mario games, Yes, which is weird. So technically, they weren't posed back in the very first installation of The Legend of Zelda. They were called Genie, spelled G-H-I-N-I. And they looked a lot like Boo, just like a floating, like, um... Ghost. I remember but, them looking a bit angrier, though. Yeah, they, they they were angry, and they only had one eye. They were a cyclop, cyclopean boos. Yeah, they were, they were pretty terrifying. But they operated the same way as Poe's do, where they would only appear in the graveyards of cemeteries uh, if their graves were disturbed. And uh, back in the first games, like one would appear, and if you continued stepping on that um, other graves while you were fighting it, more and more. Uh, of these genies would appear and they would be invincible. You could only defeat the first one. It was a great way to farm for stuff though. Yeah, you could farm for stuff that way. Uh, they fixed that in the later games where you could still attack the other uh, poltergeists, if you will. But the, the, the big thing is that they only appear in the graveyards. Um, later on in the series, I think it was uh, A Link to the Past is when they first made the change from the genies to the pose, which looked a lot different. They were like hooded ghosts or hooded spirits carrying a lantern and the lantern was their um was like their their soul area right so like in even an ocarina of time 
you would see that the, the lantern, even if the if the pose turned invisible, the lantern would stay visible. Ah, that's right. So you know where to find them. Yes. And then after you defeated them, you can capture their Poe spirit in a bottle, much like they had their spirit in their lantern. And sell it for candy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but even so, this was still, um, they were pretty much restricted to the graveyards and the... Um, places of the dead? Yeah, places of the dead, uh, besides, what is it, Termina Field? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where but I, we assume that a bunch of people died in the time gap. But um, this is also similar to Pokemon, where in the first games there were ghost-type Pokemon, uh, but you could only ever find them in Pokemon Tower, which was a building that was a bunch of levels of cemetery, which is strange to me. We don't really have multi-level buildings that are all have tombstones in them here in the States, I don't think. But Do you, do you think the Japanese do? I'm not sure. I know that they don't really <laughs> bury their dead historically. They cremate weren't so, the early pokemon games like uh there was one of them that drove children insane was this it i'm not quite sure oh well yeah there was a girl in lavender town uh where the pokemon tower was that would talk to you and say you know um do you believe in ghosts and you can answer yes or no if you said no she would say well then just don't mind that white hand on your shoulder which is strange because poke a lot of pokemon do not have hands so it's not like a a ghost Pokemon, uh, a Pokemon, it would be like a human ghost that she was referring to. If like that's in your house about. with you. Just outside, just on your shoulder. Like you personally, the gamer. That we were ghosts? I'm terrified. You're, t- you're scared that I'm a ghost? No, I'm scared that the, that the girl on the game is telling me that in my house there's a white hand on me. Oh, see, you're just not, you're not role playing right. Oh. See, she's talking to your character. Oh, Not okay. the player. You should never be afraid while playing video games for your actual life. <laughs> this is how people went insane. I suppose so. And that's all you have to say about that, huh? I could say a little bit more. Go ahead. If you like. Well, in the second Pokemon games where we were in a more Japanese-style uh, area, there were where you could find the ghost-type Pokemon were actually not in cemeteries or graveyards, uh, like in Legend of Zelda or the original Pokemon games, but in these um, other towers that were really kind of like Shinto-based places so they were it was a lot like the shinto shrines and that's where you could find the ghost pokemon which makes a lot more sense uh con- considering the shinto religion and their beliefs very good uh, all right well very you guys have satisfied your assignment i i appreciate that uh so i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and no, uh, head back Rob, to the uh, well, Rob, what what i've been i've done some research and i really think that i need to share this with the world and more importantly you guys because you guys need to be safe I a, even have the bird here. Is this about why Pokemon makes no. you insane? No, is no, no, no. It no. has stack Japanese games. I mean, the cemeteries? birds are kind of like Pokemon, so like, oh, we could say that no. it's like video games. Like mechanical birds, like you probably need some video game experience to be able to control them right. Like I have, I found research, facts about birds that I need to share. All right, fine. Today I am going to open your eyes to a very important truth. But before we start, I have a very important question to ask you. Has anyone here ever seen a baby pigeon? Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, no, I've yeah, never seen a baby no, pigeon. No, I don't. No. I can't remember ever doing that. Yeah, well, think about that while I tell you about all of these facts. It's a lot of things going on at once. So, I must admit that I was skeptical at first, but upon further research, I believe there are too many facts to deny it. Birds are not real. They are spies that work for our government. I began my journey into the unknown on a very reputable website known as knowyourmeme.com. Sold. (laughs) There I was told that on March 27th, 2017, the website birdsaren'treal.com was created. I went to that website and I found a section labeled history. And I'm going to summarize this for you right now. And in the words of the article, the only way to properly explain is with words. And so let us begin. In 1947, the CIA was created. And according to the article, their main job was to spy on the American public for their own protection, of course. With this method, they stopped a couple of crimes, but not nearly enough. But all of that changed in the early 1950s when the Red Scare began. America believed it needed secret surveillance more than ever. So Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were arrested on charges of espionage in 1951, and with the public's attention on this case and whether or not their neighbor was a spy for the Soviets, 
the CIA had an opportunity to put a ton of cameras into public spaces, and this worked fine for a couple years, but then in 1953, Alan Dules was made the first civilian director of the CIA, and he came up with a brilliant idea. Can anyone guess what the problem is with a million cameras hidden like on the ground or in street lamps or something like that? There were only one place, so like you're saying that they weren't covering all the area? Yes, that's a good point. Um, they like they don't move, so in order to follow a moving target, you would have to keep switching between a million cameras. And if one camera wasn't facing the right way, you would lose the culprit. But if you had cameras in the sky, they could follow anyone or anything, whether the person was standing still, moving, or just sitting in their house. Alan Dules was determined to get these cameras in the sky. But there was one problem. How? Well, one weekend in May of 1956, Dules was struck with an idea. Him and an unknown co-worker were chatting about how much they hated birds because of the mess that they would leave all over their cars. And that's when it clicked. Birds are in the sky. We could make cameras to look and act like birds and at the same time get rid of real birds so they will stop making mess all over my car. It's brilliant. Now, here is an actual quote from the article. Dules and his team hated birds with a passion and were heard on many occasions calling them flying slugs and the scum of the... I'm sorry, I just take this very seriously. I'm full of emotion. And the scum of the skies as they would often poop on their cars in the parking lot of the CIA headquarters and quite frankly, all over the DC metro area. I believe, says the article author, this was one of the driving forces that led Duels to not only implement robots into the sky, but actually replace birds in the process. They did not need to kill all of the birds and could have launched a quarter of the robot birds that they did, but the pigeons in D.C. at the time were absolutely ruthless. John, stop trying to shove that plug into that bird's butt. What are you doing? Probe. Okay, so... An unknown woman at the time who worked at the CIA said this. And James, could you could you play the unknown woman for me so it feels like an actual episode? Yeah, sure. I'll just guess what she said. Get very close. Yeah, the higher-ups were so annoyed that birds had been dropping fecal matter on their car windows that they vowed to wipe out every single flying feathered creature in North America. Thank you, James. The plan was taken to President Eisenhower, and he approved it. The government then enacted the plan and murdered over 12 billion birds. Are you crying or laughing? I'm crying because I really like birds, and they're all gone. Okay, okay, but how did they do this? John, get that plug out of that bird's rear. Well, you can't kill it because it's not alive, so. Um, how did they do this? The article goes into great detail about exactly how the government did this and how they could get away with it, but I will summarize it briefly for you. Uh, It is believed that the government built new B-52 bombers, which were named named B-52B. The B stands for burn. (laughs) In Area 51. (laughs) Hey, Savannah. Are, are you okay? Aubrey, are you naked? What of it? Uh, Olivia's got cheese. Go go, go to the fire. Go to the fire. John, the bird, please. Okay, so these bombers, the B-52Bs, they were painted black. They had no lights on them at all and had very special engines that would make the plane very quiet. That way they could fly through the night sky and no one would be able to see them or hear them from the ground. The bombers did not carry actual bombs, though, but they carried giant containers of poisoned water. Once these planes were finished being built, <laughs> Operation Water the Country started. The, ofi- <laughs> the official date is said to be uh, June 2nd, 1959. And how these jets killed the bird was by spraying the water through the air. The poison would cause the birds to become sick. And if a bird somehow missed the initial spraying of the water, they could still be infected by fellow birds carrying the disease. The bird would die before the end of the day and then decompose fully within 24 hours after death due to the effects of the poison. So that would explain the no dead bird bodies anybody saw. Okay, but but the bones, there wouldn't even be the bones? They would also decompose. They're just gone or carried away by other animals like trash possums and (laughs) Okay, so there was just a a bunch of raccoons marauding through the United States (laughs) sweeping up bird bones. Look, I know it's hard to believe, but these are the facts. Okay, and I have more more proof, more things to tell you. Now the next question. Do, Do you have to? Yes. Can I get one of those urinal cakes, guys? I got you. 
Look, I did this research. I have to share it now. <laughs> now the next question is how did the government build enough robotic birds to almost completely replace the 12 billion real birds? And the answer might surprise you. I, nothing you could say would surprise <laughs> me at this point. Okay, so here it is. They used a shit ton of acid. Well, not really acid. They would go to clubs to find young people partying in the 60s and 70s since there were a lot of people partying then. And the government agents would act as if they were just cool kids here to hang. <laughs> Want to take some acid? And of course, you know, it's the 60s and the 70s, so the answer was always yes. And so the government agent would then hand the pe person a piece of paper that wasn't actually acid, but a placebo. They would then take that person to a workshop and force them to build the robotic birds. And the person who was taken would just believe that they were on the weirdest trip of their life and wouldn't ever think anything about it after the deed was done I'm, I'm going back to the werewolves with the accents oh um, I'm a, I can't take this anymore so that is the truth that is basically everything you need to know there are a lot more details like there's a conspiracy about us invading Vietnam to get more aluminum but you know I didn't have time to get into all that but if you want to know more you can go to birdsaren'treal.com and <laughs> actually read everything that I have said to you but in way more detail and also buy some merch <laughs> the first thing you see when you go on that page is to buy merch which <laughs> some of it's actually kind of cute but oh you can also follow them on Instagram and Twitter because I have <laughs> um but we will not be linking to any of these sources <laughs> on our website Okay, but then I wanted to like end on a kind of positive note, but also not really because 12 billion birds died. So um, 12 billion birds were ruthlessly, ruthlessly murdered and replaced. But in truth, not all of the birds were wiped out. Only the birds in America and even bird... <laughs> Only the birds in America were attempted to be taken out because the government didn't really have any right to kill birds in other countries. <laughs> but the thing is, is you can't fully wipe out every single birds because, bird, because what's going to stop birds from crossing the border? There's nothing to stop birds from crossing the border. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get out of America. Right, to escape the CIA. <laughs> genocide from birds and so it, the official number from this website says that about 95 percent of the birds were wiped out so there is a chance that you may encounter a real one but it is highly unlikely and the fake birds are so realistic it's hard to tell and i hope that your eyes have been opened uh well my legs have been opened uh and i'm walking out of what? here i am uh, oh no <laughs> now i want to leave i gotta go i gotta get out of here uh, I can I can see Olivia's uh, basically extinguished the fire. It's covered in melted cheese. Let me go over and see if I can uh, if I can if I can help her out. Okay, here we go. We're working our way back now to the uh, to the fire. You can hear the uh, bad fire crackling has bad fire. significantly died down. Get and, uh, out of here, fire! But but all the alchemical actors seem to be coming out of the woods and uh, oh, working their way down from the treehouse and uh, oh oh, I forgot to bring ice over to. Uh, don't so, worry, the fire is out. So uh, I, I want to thank our listeners uh, for all the wonderful suggestions and stories and ideas that you have sent in to us. Uh, and uh, today, joining us here for our secret retreat of the alchemical actors, we had. Uh, let's see, in order, who do we start with? The werewolves? We had uh, Olivia Litterall, Grand Master of the Order. Goodbye. Shannon Landers, our Instaquiz. Oh, is she still in the woods? Yeah, you didn't get her out. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got so much to do. I got ice, Brooks, but hold get John's got to come down from these urinal the cakes. Fire. He keeps. John, put that urinal. Where? Leave that bird alone. John Cook, our uh, what? What are you? Our patron progenitor? Yes. <laughs> we've got, we've got James Caplanche's captain of the table. Oh, farewell, everybody. Savannah Verrett, sister of the eighty-fourth degree. Watch out for the birds. We've got oh oh here they come. All right, avert your eyes. They're not as hairy as they think they are. Aubrey Radford. Aubrey, what'd you do with Lucy? I don't know. I lost her. She was going really fast. I got two of you to find in the woods now. Uh, Lucy Bond. Uh, we, we've got Bree Litterall, our, our metallurgic prophet. The slaughter was successful. Uh, Dan Rosendale, uh, new to the order. Glad to be here, as always. Uh, and Brooke Mayroll. My ass still hurts. 
I, I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. All right. Well, we thank you all for your patience through what has been uh, easily the trippiest of episodes we've ever put out here. Uh, and we want to wish you all a very happy holiday. This is our uh, truly bizarre gift to all of you listeners out there. And a thank you for another great year here at Occult Confessions. We'll be back next time uh, with another episode, the next installment in our Apocalypse series on Nikola Tesla's Death Ray or the Particle Beam Peacemaker here on Occult Confessions. Bye.